The first time I met Susan Leonard was in a Cold Connections workshop at an art retreat. Her class blew my mind. She taught us to infuse found objects, wire, hand tools, and other jewelry-making bits and pieces with kinetic energy, but to attend to them with intense focus and skill. It was like a journey we all went on together, with Susan as our guide. In this episode, Susan and I talk about her metalsmithing lifestyle and how listening to her artistic voice is the key to her success. Susan, I am so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining me. Oh my gosh, Katie, I have known you forever. And any way I can get back in and connect with my people, our people, I love it. So I'm really grateful to be here. I love it too. And you've been doing a lot of really different stuff. You know, like over the years, uh, it's just been so fun to see your work evolve and how you have become even more invested in creating your own signature look. So I'd love to talk about that a little bit later, but I know you're into intentional metal smithing. What does that look like for you? Okay. So actually intentional metal smithing for me, there was a period of time where uh, in this field, when you're in it for a long time, I had my company and I was, I felt like I was so commercialized. So I called it an undoing process, you know, an undoing process to get back to my raw self, to get back to my real work you know, and kind of get back into the core and what I really want to do. And one of the things that I found out is that it's so important to really dig into your roots on what type of work you want to do or what you want to express in your work. And I should have known that as an artist, you sometimes just forget when you're on the pathway. So, you know, for me, it's like I spent a couple of years undoing and really getting into some raw silver work and putting again, you know, whatever I want to in my jewelry work. And, you know, for me, it's like I was trained as an artist and not as a silversmith. So for me, um, I feel like when a person stands in front of their bench intentionally, you really need to build the work that's important to you. And you need to get at the, your core self because we all have a story to tell. We all have a voice. Nobody's should be louder than the other. We're all different. So it's like, you know, to get at who we are, if you can really produce your real work, you will always sell your work. Not that that has to be the end goal, but I see it over and over and over again. And the same with me. It's like if I'm really doing crazy, even crazy work that I'm like, oh my God, whoever is going to buy this crazy thing, you know, what am I doing? <laughs> it's like I always, those pieces, people are always drawn to them. So, you know, that's one thing I picked up along the way is to do your real core work. So for me, intentionally, it's like I do a lot of undoing and clearing every day before I step up to my bench. What does the clearing look like? Okay. All different types of clearings. But when I'm with my students, if I have my students in the room, you know, one thing it's like, I know when we're gathering, when I'm gathering a group of students, it's like holding them with a certain energy and helping people to, you know, it's really like letting my students be okay, letting myself be okay with saying whatever I want to and building whatever I want to. So it really is getting into a raw authenticity. And, you know, one of the things that I do it for myself every day and for my students in a group is just kind of, you know, when I step up to my bench, well, first of all, I do a lot of yoga. So at least every other day I'm doing an hour of yoga that is just this breathing. And, you know, in a lot of my studies that I've been doing, I'm realizing that um, I'm reading that the breath work uh, like for undoing of narcissism, undoing of like, you know, any kind of mental illness or just letting go of old past stuff is, 
the breath work. Like I'm literally reading that the breath work is so important to let go of any fears, any angers, any past things. So it literally is breathing in and big exhales. So what I do with that along with, so I, I will clear like that, just really clearing. And then what I'll do is like, I'll just close my eyes for a few times and I do it three times. And it's like, I imagine, you know, after I'm clear, it's like, I imagine this light at the bottom of my right toe, just this almost like a globe light that's radiating outward. And I just breathe it all the way up through my body, up through my organs. And I bring it into my head, into the top of my head. And I just kind of have it roll around in my head and gather any gray matter, any gunk, any bad thoughts or any uncomfortableness. And then I, and when I do my exhale, I push it out through the bottom of my feet. And, you know, by the time it gets to the bottom of your feet, it has all that angst and fear and, you know, anything. So for me, it's just a process of even three times, you're going to be amazed at how clear you feel. Sometimes I don't even want to open up my eyes just after three times. And then when I'm standing in front of my bench, I can, you know, I'm pretty clear and I, I see my pieces and I'm clear on what I want to build. And I can kind of go into that flow and just build. So it's, it's really nice. I felt, I found that that has helped me tremendously to get at my new work. Oh, I found myself doing the breath along with you. Just, it does oh, feel good. Wonderful. Yeah, really. It's, it's easy so to true. forget, you know, it's easy to forget because we're so busy. And uh, especially for people whose jewelry practices related to their livelihood, it's stressful sometimes. So, so I think true. it's interesting what you said about how no matter how crazy the piece, if it has you in it, people want it. Oh my gosh, really. It's like, you know, um, one of the things, you know, I have a group of students that I mentor and which we could talk about later, but you know, it's really true. It's like, uh, I, I talk once a week on jewelry talk and really it's not about technique. It's not about my jewelry talk. It's about all the other stuff that has to do with jewelry, which is, you know, all the historical, all the way people built all the way, you know, people wore things, your symbolism, your talisman, your all of this. And, you know, it's so interesting because for me, my kids laugh at me because I am so excited. If I can find a jewelry book on costume or jewelry, like historical through, I mean, I have studied Indian jewelry, Moroccan jewelry, Celtic jewelry, Polish jewelry. I'm Polish just from all over different cultures. And it excites me to see Japanese jewelry we all have our symbolism and our magic, you know, but, you know, just like what is important to us at the time, what words are important to us. But, you know, so it really is. So I really know that when I do build my own pieces and I talk about this a lot on jewelry talk and what I really do is be, you know, let, let people be okay with the style that they're building. So in India, it's like, I'll, re I'll come across fascinating reading, like, you know, in India, here's these pieces that were for the queen and the king, and they're liter literally hammered 24 karat gold, so thin, and it's, you know, not even bezel shaped, but just hammered and then wrapped around a stone and presented so beautifully, you know, and it's like, for us, we always think, oh, we have to do everything this way, you know, we're, we're trained to think. It's kind we of unlearning some of those habits that we have or what we've been taught. I, jewelry Talk is your show that you do on Instagram, right? Yes. Yeah. I do Jewelry Talk and it's always recorded and it's on there too. You know, it's funny that I haven't run out of 
things to talk about. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever run out, Susan. <laughs> There's so much. Tell us a little bit about um, talismans in your work. I mean, I know that's been a big focus for you, even when you were doing more commercial uh, endeavors. You know, that was really centered around a lot of talismanic kind of jewelry and found object type of jewelry. What does that mean for you? Yeah. So, you know, it's so powerful for so long, but when I got out of art school, I was like, okay, now what do I do? You know, so I started traveling because I just wanted to see the world back in the 90s, you know, early 90s. I just wanted to see what the world was about. And I loved jewelry and studied jewelry. And I helped open the Greater Chicago Bead Society. And I did, was doing ethnographic repair at that time. And, you know, just seeing so many beautiful pieces that were so different than what I was used to looking at. So when I started traveling, you know, I would talk to people about things and there would always be something they had tucked in their shirt that was like rubbed, rubbed down to a smooth, beautiful, you know, and like a stone start, or a piece like of fabric a stone or, or there, yes, or like a medallion or yeah. And, you know, I started uh, when I was studying things or, you know, just going around interviewing people about talisman or about symbolism or magical pieces, you know, there's people that we, we all have our magical symbols. So even for me at the time, I was even kind of an, a little bit of an atheist. And I found at the bottom of all jewelry and costume and, of course, artwork, but I didn't know it was at the bottom of jewelry and clothing is spiritualism or religion. You know, so I was like, wow, I'm, you know, kind of really changed my mind about a lot of things. Anytime you're doing even tattoos, you know, tattoos really are about expressing yourself and uh, wearing your symbolism of what makes you feel good. And that's what talismans so are about. Yeah. How do you think when people, do you have a, is there a moment in class? I remember taking a class with you years ago and there was kind of a moment in class where people were like, oh, yes. you know, it was like you kind of gave an introduction of what we're going to do and kind of mm -hmm. the exploration we're going to take. And you taught us some basic metalsmithing techniques that we could do with cold connections. Mm -hmm. And then some people, it was clear to me that they had taken lots of classes with you because they just went wild right away. You know, they just, right. they had their like fishing tackle box full of stuff and they just went wild making things. And you know, it took me a really long time to find, to figure out, okay, here's this thing that I had, I kind of resonate with now. What, how am I going to, what am I doing with this? You know, right. Do you, right. Does that happen every time? You know what I love? Oh my gosh, Katie. I loved, I remember back in the days that was so much fun. So one of the first things that I like to do when I'm teaching a workshop is to, you know, if people come in from all over and they're uncomfortable or out of their element. I get like, yes, <laughs> 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 just because, you know, now you've got an open person and I find if I can have people for three or five days, we can really work together as a group. And it helps pull people up to different levels. You know, really, when you're out of your element, you can really get into your core self and start, you know, and start building. I, I have had in the past some people who really just are so uncomfortable that they, this is crazy. You know, I'm out of here. But it really, you know, by the time we get into that, the first day, the first day is always the hardest I see in a rhythm. The second day, you know, it, it's exciting, but you're learning a lot of things. People get exhausted. The second day you come back, 
you know, you're, you're still learning, you've got energy. By the third day, we're in a rhythm where people are tired. You know, we all work in a rhythm together. By the fourth day, people are back on. And by the fifth day, we're just trying to wrap things up and get things done. So there's always a nice rhythm that I've been tracking and studying with groups that I find so fascinating. And you have so many different ways of bringing inspiration and instruction to your students. So I know one of them is these excursions that you do, where you go to India or Morocco or somewhere uh, far from here, (laughs) far from Cleveland, Ohio. It's really true. So I feel like like attracts like. And, you know, for me, it's like I've even done workshops in the middle of Seattle, right downtown, because it's really fun. You know, one of the things in intentional metal smithing, I tell people, it's like where you're living, you know, where you're living, you're it's not an accident like attracts like. So, you know, go I give assignments like just to go out and collect five things or take a couple pictures and, you know, bring it back in and just spread them in front of you and you can see you know, your work will be similar. It's like I grew up in Chicago and then I lived in San Diego for seven years. So I was like, oh, my work, it's always a spiritual industrialism, you know? So you can, I can see in students' work where they're coming from. You know, it's like a a physician is different than a mechanic and, you know, really interesting to see where, where, so, you know, for me, for, um, from all these years of teaching, I can see that, I can teach the same technique, but everyone has a different voice and a different input that they put into their work. So, you know, that's pretty fascinating. I like that. With, I mean, I feel like during COVID times, you've implemented so many different parts of your business. You have a mentoring program. That's something too, where you're bringing people from anywhere. They could live anywhere and be part of your yeah. online program. You know what? I'm really excited about it. I did it. I did. So it's called intentional metalsmithing. I have a free beginning course and it's called alchemy of soldering. That one's free. You guys can get onto my site and watch that. It's actually with one of the things that, you know, it's something like all of us teachers, when we traveled, when we have to set up in hotels, we would use the little butane canisters and, you know, the set of tools. We try to keep things minimum. So I kind of really put together for myself, you know, on, what would be a nomadic tool bag? So I put together a nomadic tool bag and I literally built all of my jewelry, which this is fun for me to give myself this challenge. When when you've been in a field for a long time, you have to give yourself some challenges, you know, just to be able to find, you know, get find a different voice, find different different projects. So for me, it's like I love working out of this nomadic tool bag. So the only thing is I have to order from Amazon a little butane canister and everything fits in my container. We're going to Morocco and, you know, I have a group of 12 students. It's still on. We're going to Morocco. We're, we're traveling and we're looking sightseeing for the whole trip is two weeks. And then I have a four day workshop and we're really taking in, we're taking in all of this beautiful weavings and dye work and colors and, uh, there's a lot of fossils there. And then we have, so we're really touring. And then we have four days in the studio and we pull out our nomadic tool bag. And that's what alchemy of soldering is all about. So that kind of familiarizes you with the tool kit. Um, my course also, I, actually it's up on Rio Grande now. So that was pretty cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was talking to the um, educator there, you know, and it really is a pretty cool. So then I have six paid for courses that are yours for life, but they're, I broke down all my techniques and it really is everything you need to know to build this current work that I'm doing now. So it starts with 
Spouses Expanded, which is the first course. And that's kind of where you really break out and lay the wire down and use filigree and attach things and just expand. And it shows jeweler saw, you know, and everything you need to know on expanding like the original course, Alchemy of Soldering. The second one is all a whole course on wire. It's making, you know, just bangles and, you know, building frames with wire and just all this type of wire work. The the one after that expand, it's also like hammering your wire, how to treat your wire. Because in making connections, I broke all metal work down to two parts. It's either going to be wire or sheet metal. If you pick up any metal found object, you can treat it as wire or sheet metal, really just two decisions. So that's a great tip. And yeah, I have to right. say we've been enjo- I've been enjoying hearing your bangles jangle while you're talking. <laughs> so people who know you know you have a huge stack of wire bangles on right now. So you get lots of practice at that wire. I do. That's right. Lots of wire. Yeah. I actually didn't wear a lot of my jewelry for the podcast since people couldn't see me anyway because my earrings jingle too. So <laughs> now I'm really yeah, jingle in a way. I'm I actually some of my rings jingle, I have jingleys on there. So you know, it's kind of, I've been really lately studying East Indian jewelry and Moroccan jewelry. And I have, I'm doing another class called um, On the Surface. And it's all of this filigree and sh- hollow form shapes and, and things like that. So that'll be kind of fun to do another They're one. really fun. So yeah, so I do mentor students, you know, in the course, I've had a lot of success. My first group of students that I had I would show up and I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe I I talked about a lot of spiritual subjects. I talked a lot about business, a lot, you know, a lot of people just about, you know, how I launched my industrial chic line, just, you know, the, the work I did. I had a company called Leonard Collection when I was in my twenties and I, it was so easy back then. I was like, oh my gosh, I had kids, you know, women, we have kids. But I worked with Banana Republic. I had a line with Banana Republic, with Nordstrom, with Peruvian Connection, Ann Taylor. And one of my one of my sales reps back then, she would write, she was in New York, her, I, she was in New York, and she would write to our group of who she was representing. And she would be like, who wants to be in Elle magazine this month? Just send me your pieces. And I was like, what? Me? (laughs) And now, you know, it's trickier. It's trickier. There's there's a bigger world. Is that part of how you got involved with Vogue accessories? And some of your finished work has been on the runway? Yes. So I actually, I think if people know my work, I love big, bold pieces. So yes, I was in the fashion world in my 20s, then had my kids and got into education where I met all you and so many other people, which was has been so much, you know, really, I'm so grateful for this whole field. But yeah, it feels good. Uh, fashion has been a little bit shaky since COVID, but they actually contacted me. So I had Artistar and I had them contact me four years ago. And they're like, we love your work. We'd love to have you you know, in, in this fashion event. And I was like, okay, is this for real? Come on. You know, they wanted, (laughs) they wanted all the talisman bracelet. And I was just done with that style. And I was like, how about this, this? And they're like, no, no, this is what we want. So I was like, okay, back to my charms again. You know, it's funny how I find it recycles every 10 years, people require me to do uh, those talisman bracelets, you know? So it's Isn't that interesting how it all comes around? Yeah, it does. It really does. Yeah. Like every 10 years or 12 years, I'm, you know, I'm back at it. So, 
So, yeah. So lately, you know, I've had really, I'm connecting with some really interesting people in the fashion world. There's been some stylists, there's been some, um, I just sent my jewelry off a couple days ago and I think he's working with Vogue. So we'll see, nice. you know, you, you can never, you know, in fashion, it's always hectic. Like my person who does the shipping for me, she's like, we can't ship things off. Stop. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not real until you see it on the model not, in the magazine. <laughs> exactly that. It's not real. You never know. I've had, I've had pieces that were just about to launch and then they're like, oops, we had to pull it because, you know, a stylist looks and they like the plain look rather than the jewelry look, you know? So it's always interesting. Always interesting. But I I enjoy it. Yeah. So for me, it's like, I love because I, you know, which is kind of what jewelry talk is about. It just really is all this other language of jewelry. Um, that's just not the technique and building a pendant. It's like, how are you going to wear it? What colors do you want to use? Like, you know, the chakras we put in there, gem colored shape form for me, it's runway. I, I built my pieces that I built. It'll be in January of, or October of 2022, because we skipped, we skipped, but it was all of everybody loved my pencil pieces, but this piece I did with sticks sticks that come down to your knees, just sticks and twigs that I burned into wrapped. And then I did, because really jewelry at its core is about performance. It's about, you know, I've been up in the middle of Thailand where people were wearing jewelry and costumes and performing. And in India, it's like it, you could, it could be in a dark room, but you're listening to the jewelry and you're dancing. You're, you're a percussion instrument really with your jewelry. So we did, if you guys go to my um, Shopify site, you know, or my website, you're going to see, um, I had this beautiful dancer in her twenties, just right out of college and a beautiful filmmaker. And the three of us, we did a joint collaboration with three of us. And we put together a beautiful film, just of movement with the jewelry on, you know, the pieces and the dance. And, you know, I put a couple words out there, like really, I wanted this Moroccan kind of dance and vibration and uh you know so the three of us the music he wrote the music in there the dance you know our dancer put together the she choreographed the steps for it you know and I did the jewelry so it's really fun that's the type of stuff that I like doing is the other side of jewelry too you know do you ever feel worried about sharing your personal self through jewelry you know in these conversations about jewelry has it ever been scary to you because I do think it is you know, you're giving a piece of yourself. I'm sure you get it back too, but I think you know what I mean. Do you feel like you have to work to be able to do that? Or does it come naturally to you now? Yeah, I think I remember at the very beginning and I forget some of my students that I work with, you know, that's where they're, that's where they're coming from. I was afraid years ago. Oh my gosh. I remember the first time I did a retail event, I built crazy pieces like out of my head. You know, I, I, I like to, for me, when I first started, I kind of shut off the world and I would go up into my space and it was easier to do then. How can you do it now? Who knows? But, you know, at least clear now. But I went up and, and I would spend, you know, months at a time just up by myself, not taking in any other influences. So my work I knew was really different. So when when I did go out 
and do a retail show, I was so scared. I was like, oh my God, you know, I, I wanted to vomit, you know, I was yes, like, yes, I know. I, I was, and then you look at I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, you do. I know. See, and I was like, oh my God, only a crazy person would build this or buy it, you know? <laughs> but I was so excited because every single piece of my work sold at that wow. show. And they're expensive. So that's when I was like, you know, on this track of, okay, it's important to build what you need to build, you know? So I know some of my students will have that fear, but we have a group. So I have a Facebook group with intentional metalsmithing. Oh my gosh, it's such a beautiful group. Everybody cheers each other on. Like we're our favorite, you know, we're our favorite cheerleaders and heroes. And, you know, for me, it's kind of just creating a safe environment. My first group that I started with two and a half years ago, these guys are out, we're out doing retail shows this summer. And so many of them sold, you know, they just sold and sold. So now the questions people are asking is, Susan, how do you produce so much jewelry? You know, (laughs) now they need more. (laughs) So it's interesting. Kind of next level productivity. You are very prolific. I mean, I've seen lots of pictures that it seems where, seems that you've made that jewelry within uh, recent times, you know, that it's not a bunch of stuff that you pulled out of the archives to take a picture. It's like your recent work is how it Right, right. Yes. Especially because, you know, as I'm teaching, well, during COVID, I was in my studio all the time and now I'm not traveling as much. The hard part was when we were on the road traveling, I really didn't have the time you know, you're all, or you're building for your students, you know, or it was this, that's part of that decommercialization that I talk about, you know, us teachers, we were, I don't even, you know, people kept wanting us to teach again, but we hardly had enough time to be home and invent. So this time for me was super healing. And, you know, I love when people do, do retail shows, maybe in the summer and then have all winter to build. That's, that's a nice setup. And I think it does take time. Like you said, I mean, that's kind of the magic. You have the skills, you have the inspiration, but if you don't have time at your bench, you can't make work. Yeah. And I'm always surprised. One thing I try to do now is balance in life. I think if anybody knew me from the past, like I was more obsessive, you know, so I would stay up, work 12, 15 hours, you know, and get off balance. But now it's like with yoga, with this intentional, with mentoring, with my own work, with runway and all these different areas, I really try to stay balanced. And truthfully, I'm really surprised how much work I get done because I let myself, I have dreamy times, I have productive times, you know, so uh, anytime you're doing something new, you have to put aside wasted time, you know, it's kind of important that wasted time is important, right? I think to be able to generate ideas and let yourself just kind of I don't know. Float to the flow. Float to the flow. I love that. That's a good (laughs) tune. Float to the flow. Yeah, right. Right. So it's like my left brain, my Chicago productive self wants to call it wasted time. But like you're saying, float to the flow. Let's call it that. Yeah, I like it. It's our next album title. I hope you're the singer, Katie, because I'm not a good singer. It's been a while. Professions, remember? Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm sure we can find some help with that. Yeah, that's well, was right. there a big turning point? Was there something that happened or something that um, happened in your work or in your life where you felt like, okay, this isn't working for me anymore. I have to change. 
Yeah. You know, at the end of ice resin, you know, I had ice resin and I had industrial chic, which was the commercial line. And I had a lot of corporate and commercial responsibilities. And I was like, oh, I felt my brain thought commercially, you know, and I was like, how do I get back to being this beautiful artist that I once was? Whether my work was beautiful or not, my brain was beautiful. You know, I wanted to get back into that vulnerability again. So I went, I'd been for years wanting to go visit a friend of mine in San Miguel and he invited me out. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going out. So I was out there for six weeks and I worked three hours in the morning in his studio and three hours in the afternoon. And it was so raw. I love this raw experience. We literally went to the bank, bought silver coins, came back, mixed a little bit of bronze in there. We mixed our our coins or we mixed our silver. Then we, you know, melted it all down, poured into ingot, rolled it through rolling mills. We made our own um, medium solder. I had a challenge of soldering everything with medium solder. I didn't veer out of there. So it was, you know, I had to, and also that's when I was really heavily using butane in other countries, you know, there's not, there's butane. So whenever I travel, I know I can get butane gas. So, you know, it was nice to do the butane. So so it's like back to basics for you in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was back to basics. And I, I really loved it. So I worked in a studio and I didn't have distractions. And I really, you know, I really could come up with this whole raw look that I wasn't worried about presenting it to anyone. I did hammered edges and, you know, stones that people came through with. And, you know, it was it was really fun and undoing. It's like my brain was working its way back to just not producing, to just do work for the fun of doing work. And that was fun. Yeah, really fun. It's like your own eat, pray, love over there. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. It was my own eat, pray, love. Getting back to the raw, I swear. I really felt like that. And then I go over to the yoga, you know, a little bit, but not all the time. And, you know, it was really nice. Take walks, look at all this ancient. And my work was raw, like San Miguel with that ancient architecture, you know? So again, it's like whatever you're around is going to influence your work. So who are your jewelry making heroes? Well, oh my gosh. I mean, one of my, one of my favorites, like that I love talking to is Richard Sally. You know, he's such a precision guy and I'm such a raw person and we just admire each other's things. In fact, I'm I'm, so the people that I ended up putting in my book, so in each chapter, because I have six different techniques, like there's caging, hollow forms, then just using like scrap metal. There's one just using up all your scrap that you have in your studio. So which book is that, Susan? This is a new one coming out, Intentional Metal Smithing. So it goes oh, along okay. with the course. Yeah. So this one is not out yet, but it should be. Oh, my gosh. It will be out, I'm sure, by the time this podcast airs. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. So. It goes with the course. So I have in there uh, Nicole Ringgold, who does, you know, amazing, beautiful work. So many people know of her. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Ace Studio Luna Verda, who I have in my caging chapter. So it's like for me, you know, I hunted down all these people that just do such incredible work in all these different chapters, you know. So, oh, I love it. Oh, I can't wait to see. Yeah. But a lot of times for me, it's like Van Gogh inspires me in my jewelry work, you know, or, you know, just Monet. And actually, I'm going to Van Gogh next week. So that should be pretty fun. But, you know, just also painting artists inspire me for what 
what I can well, do with my work. And your background is in art and not that it, one has to have a background in art to enjoy Van Gogh, but I could see how that would influence your jewelry as well in ways that people who aren't trained in the same way can't right. see as, as easily. Yes, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. Yeah. I know that when you talk about your, like with your new book and with your educational program that you have going on, making your own work, I mean, how Mm -hmm. do you find, and it sounds like you're really working to create a balance. So how do you find the time to wear all of these different hats? Uh, You know what, for me, I, well, you know, one thing is, is that I'm in, I was trained as an artist. I've been an artist for so long that my life isn't separated from my work. Everything really is together. So, you know, it's not like I, okay. So it's like I'm walking around in the world and I'm absorbing ideas. I'm in my studio and I'm putting these ideas that I absorbed out. You know, I can feel myself. It's so good for me and for an artist to, I I did a vacation in Puerto Rico this year. And one of my stipulations was I did not want to think about jewelry or business (laughs) or anything this whole week, you know, how did that go? I did it. It was really because I set myself up. Yeah, I did. Because literally I need this checkout time, you know, because I know if I can take this checkout time that when I come back, oh, you know, all this new work just started flowing. So I was like, oh my gosh, I knew it. I knew it. You know? So it's like, if you can really, you know, my kids are older now, so I am in a good place there. You know, I, I sold my big house. I live in a little condo because I don't, I don't have to shovel snow. I don't have to worry about taking care of a lot of things. You know, I love it. I just, it's that whole simplification that I did with the intentional metalsmithing. I simplified my life. So it's smaller. My life was, I had such a big footprint. I felt like my house was big. My kids were all over. We were traveling everywhere. I taught everywhere. I just, I was too expanded, you know? So I just took time and simplified and made things smaller and smaller and smaller. So now it's easier to to make my life flow, you know? It just is. So it's so interesting that um that getting really grounded helps you have wings. Yes, isn't that true? Yes. Oh my gosh, when I think back when I was in my 20s, I remember there was a whole group of us artists that were like, "Oh my gosh, we can't get rid of this crazy part of us because we didn't we weren't for sure if we were still going to be creative, you know?" And yeah. then through the years, artists shed. You shed. And when you're in the end, you find you're so much more creative when you're grounded. And yes. So yeah. Right. Beautiful. It's really fun to it's really fun to see in each other. I think having known each other a long time. Yeah. You know, have the, perspe- the gift of perspective. Yes. It's really nice. Yes. yes yeah. I know. Oh my gosh. How fun. Yeah, really I was good. so excited to to connect with you again, Katie. Yeah, you really. too. Well, tell our listeners where they can find you. Okay. So I'm always on Instagram. I love Instagram. I'm Susan Lenart Jewelry. Um, my website is Susan Lenart Jewelry. Uh, it's also still my Susan Lenart Casmer, but you can see my course on there. I have jewelry sales on there. You can, I mean, on my um, Jewels of the Nomad, I'm working in India on a jewelry line as I'm getting into, I mean, I know, you know, I didn't want to get back into the commercial end of things, but I'm working in India with some beautiful silversmiths, a high-end jewelry line that I have not produced yet. It's been really hard 
you know, working back and forth. So, but my own personal pieces are on uh, Jewel to the Nomad and that's my, you know, jewelry. So that's my Shopify site. And uh, yeah, check it out. There's a lot going on. I, I have like, I teach in Mexico every year. I teach in Morocco. I teach in India when that opens up someday, you know, maybe Puerto Rico. I teach in my studio in here in Cleveland once a year. Yeah. And, but also my online course, which I highly recommend. I love it because I can, you know, we used to go into the classroom and I have students for six hours and I, we had to like shove work down everybody's throat. Right. And then I was fast and furious. That's for sure. (laughs) I'd have people walking around like, Oh my God, I took 12 classes in (laughs) six days. Like I can't remember anything, you know? So I love, you know, we're in our own studio and then they couldn't remember the setup when they got home. So now, you know, you're at home, you're with your setup, you can watch things over. I meet with students on my, you know, I meet with students in the course. We talk things through, I answer questions, we all answer each other. So it's really fun. I I can't believe how much people have grown from it and, you know, the positive. So that's where you can find me. Check out that. It sounds like you're building a really amazing community there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, there's even really accomplished jewelers that have been, you know, just took the course for the whole artist. And when you're in a stagnant place and, you know, all of that. So, yeah, but thank you. I'm enjoying myself. You know, I realized, I just realized maybe late, but you have to wake up every day and enjoy the job that you're going to do. Even if it's something hard, you know, you you have to give yourself a little shred in there that is going to be fun or happy or someone you're going to enjoy seeing. Because if you're just doing hardship every day you know you're you can't you can't put your best foot forward you got to have some passion in there that's right well thank you so much susan this has been delightful i really appreciate your time today oh thank you so much yes absolutely If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and review Jewelry Artist on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Jewelry Artist is a production of Golden Peak Media and Interweave. It's hosted and produced by me, Katie Hacker. We had help from Tammy Hahnemann and Merle White with special thanks to the team at Lapidary Journal Jewelry Artist Magazine. This episode was recorded and edited by Daisha Clay. Our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.